Yo, welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. I'm your host, Brian Porter, once again. Um, this episode, I chatted with Tyler Floyd over Discord. Uh, Tyler's involved in a lot of different stuff. Um, he's got his, his band, Parkway in Columbia. Um, also works at a studio in um, Wyandotte, Michigan called Eureka Records. Um, you can follow his like all his production stuff on, at Floyd Audio on Instagram and uh, Twitter, I think Facebook too. Um, and, you know, once the quarantine is over, hit him up if you want to record something. I'm sure you can probably hit him up if you need to get mixed or mastered, but um, he uh, does a great job. I'm working, he's one of the producers I'm working with um, on the record I'm trying to make right now. It's been put to a halt because of the quarantine, but um, I know I'm preaching to the choir when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, Tyler is he, he's a cool guy. He's talented. You know, he's um, also producing a podcast that Nate Durow from um, Audio Tree Presents. Um, I can't remember the name of that podcast. Here for now, it's called Here for Now. Um, and Tyler's producing that, so check that out. Um, that one's picking up steam really quick. It's a new podcast that's already doing pretty well. Um, and you know, other than that, you know, you just. I'm sure Tyler's got stuff going on that I don't even know about, but we'll get into that during the episode. Um, last time he was on the podcast was early on. It was like one of the maybe first 15, 20 episodes, and uh, it was a good one. Got a lot of good responses from it, and so set the bar high. This one, maybe we'll meet that expectation. Maybe not. Who knows? But, you know, we're going to give it the old college try and uh, try to give you guys some quality content, so... Thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the episode. Now recording. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! Right? <laughs> I say this every episode that I've done on Discord. They all start the same with me and the guest laughing at the voice. <laughs> I just wish that like it actually showed up in the recording, so that people it, could understand why I, I talk about it every single time. <laughs> yeah, dude. How you been? Been uh. Uh, all, all right. The the past few days have been like, okay, I'm going a little crazy. But crazy like being busy or just kind of like stir crazy, nothing to do? More, more stir crazy. Um, I've been working on like a couple EPs here and there, uh, but those are soon coming to an end. So I'm definitely going to be very open. That's going to be kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I did say in the intro, um, like, you know, if bands, like I just recorded the intro earlier and, you know, you can correct me if I was wrong. I can always redo it. But I just figured, you know, if bands need someone to mix something or I imagine you and other producers right now are looking for stuff to do. Yeah. Um, okay. So you heard it from him, people. Send him your mixes. Yeah. I, I want to do some work. Or- Anything yeah, really. dude. <laughs> I I feel you, man. Like I went to Nick's, you know, right maybe like a couple weeks before the actual Michigan quarantine started in earnest, mm-hmm. and like got vocals done on two songs, like main vocals done on two songs, and like I was stoked to come in to your studio um, on the first of this month, and yep. it was like a week before that, you know governor shut it down i mean rightfully so but yeah i i totally understand it and i'm all for it it was just really sad canceling yeah a bunch of sessions 
Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm stoked about this record too. It's just such a bummer. Like I was, it was finally like, it took me almost a year to get to the point where I was even recording vocals, and I'm like, finally, I started. And as soon as I start, it's like, no, here's an indefinite hiatus from your work. (laughs) (laughs) That's it's a good time. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I I feel worse for the bands who like, you know. Like, look at Dogleg, dude. Like, not that they're in a terrible... Not that it sucks to be Dogleg or anything like that, but, like, they had all this stuff coming up. Like, they just released the record. You know, they had all this momentum. And luckily, they have some other stuff, like the music videos coming out and everything. But, like, yeah. they're going to be playing all these festivals. And it's got to be kind of a bummer, you know? For sure. We were um, uh, Parkway at a show... I don't know. Maybe... It was sometime in March. And it was when they canceled South By... And we were at the show uh, and uh, I think Jacob was looking at his phone uh, seeing that South by was canceled. And so I was, I was kind of thinking like, Oh, maybe dog like should come into Eureka records and do like a live session. And so just a little bit before the Michigan quarantine, we got uh, four songs tracked for live videos and three of them have come out so far. And I'm just yeah. so glad we got those out and we finished those right before all this happened. Yeah, I, did. I wasn't sure when you guys did those. Um, that actually was what, I mean, I was going to listen to the record eventually. Um, it was just like in my queue of things to listen to. Mm-hmm. But I saw the live recording of uh, a Bueno, I think. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit, like I, I fuck with this. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, you guys did a great job with that. 100%. Thanks. Those are yeah. I I was so happy with the final product of what we did. It was just like every everybody who was involved just did their best. It feels like and looks and sounds like to me. It's it's just so good, and I'm very happy I got to work on it. So did did your brother film it? So my brother and uh, and my brother Jacob Floyd and Austin Vanson, who does a lot of video and I think some photography for Dogleg, but mostly video. Um, they both teamed up, teamed up, and filmed it. And then my brother did all the editing. Uh, okay, yeah, because I thought the editing, especially like that, was I think like if you guys, I mean not to put more work on your plate when things <laughs> do open up, but like I, I know I saw that and I'm like, I don't understand like what separates this and like audio tree other than like the name recognition. You it's, know what I mean? Like I, it's what I, I thought, hear. The, yeah, dude, I thought the filming was great. Even I thought it, it almost captured it better than an audio tree video does sometimes oh, because just like the editing choices I mean, this is a deep dive, dude, but like, what else we got to do? I think um, with, well, because uh, my brother and I talked about it when he was in the editing process. And the the main difference is Audio Tree does everything live on the spot, which you can't do all of those like spot on uh, like camera changes, like with yeah. the tempo of the song. So we we just had a lot more to work with. And like on my end, like mixing it, I had like a week to mix it and I didn't have to mix it right on the spot. So Uh, there's definitely like, yeah, big differences. Like it's 
amazing to have the luxury of being able to spend time and mix something, but also doing what audio tree does and do it right on the spot. That's like a, a whole nother ball game. That's, I feel like more stressful and also not as stressful at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. I would imagine them having also like just the sheer volume of artists that they have coming through that they probably don't have the time to for sure have that attention to detail. And well, but, they also have, uh, sorry for speaking over you. Oh um, no, you're good. They, they have some incredible gear at their studio. So they have, they don't really need to spend the time mixing. The only thing I can think of them possibly wanting more time for would be like, like slight edits, maybe like adjusting a vocal level or like a snare drum level. Cause sometimes those are like, those can be a little wonky, but it happens. I don't know, right. but they just do a great job and I don't know. I don't think we'll be able to take away from them. <laughs> no, no. But I think like it, there's so many of these. Um, I mean, audio tree was the first one that I, you know, came to, but you know, of that, with that format it was the first one that I became aware of. I'm not, I don't know if it was the first one to do it, but nowadays you see there's so many of those types of things like KEXP, like I'm pretty sure like Pace Magazine does one. Mm-hmm. Like you see them all over the place. Um, yeah. down They're all a little South different. By, pretty sure somebody, yeah, yeah. So like there's definitely like a niche to be had and like you guys, you know, even at least like starting off, I would imagine like, <laughs> this is me like, pitching to be your manager like starting <laughs> off like you guys like could you know bring in your friends or just like bands that you want to do and that mm-hmm. you want to put the time in and you know maybe your niche could be like the fact that you guys because for dog like it was like pretty much a music video yeah it was like music video quality of like the way the like i said the editing choices like the cuts at the right times like mm-hmm. capturing Their performance like, was incredible yeah, like, and you don't really see that a lot in, in, in um, Audio Tree, and I, I couldn't blame a band. Like, if I was actually playing in the Audio Tree studio, I just feel like I would be so not wanting to fuck up, and because it's everything's so nice and it's like yep. so, and it's live. you know, it's such a big, yeah, it's such a big moment, you know. Whereas I, I feel like you guys it. can catch the whole vibe of you know just hanging out with your friends at your friend's studio, but mm-hmm. still getting an awesome product. So, for there's sure. definitely potential there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've done, I don't know how many of these videos we've done so far, but I was originally planning cause I didn't, I didn't know how like serious the quarantine was going to get. I was like, yeah. Oh, I'll just have like uh, a bunch of my fr- friends bands come in do some videos. Um, cause I won't be able to do much and nobody can tour or anything. So originally uh, the plan was to help out, uh, bands that lost like big tours and so it'd be like something for them to release that'd be like uh like a live show for their fans. But right. that did not happen. <laughs> right, dude. Like I said, like I I just feel for the bands that had like I had a band on here recently. Well, a couple. House and Home from Virginia and then I had Charmer on when they released their record. Like two two oh, bands nice. that like had record releases right smack dab in the middle of this quarantine and they're you know, like lost out on tours and yeah things like that. Like what to put all that work into creating a record and then just to like have that let down, like, you know, they'll get to tour eventually, but it's, it's, I don't know. It'll be different. Yeah. I, I've been wondering, um, for the bands that have released records and like songs and EPs, whatever, 
uh, during the quarantine if more people are listening to their music or if it just depends. I don't know. I feel like I haven't listened to as much music as I thought I was going to yet besides like what I've worked on. So, but that's just me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I personally, I I almost never listen to music. It's weird. Like, I have to be in a certain... I listen to so many podcasts. I've mm-hmm. just been on, like, a, a major podcast kick. Um, and, like, I'll listen in spurts. So, for me, I don't think it has anything to do with the quarantine, really. Because, I am I mean, I still work, too. Like, mm-hmm. I still am lucky enough. You know, I have a 9 to 5 Monday through Friday that hasn't, hasn't really let up. Okay. I mean, I'm home. I'm home, but like you know, I work. I work for the government, dude. Like you know, child welfare job. Like they're they're never gonna let us go. You know, for I'm sure. lucky in that way. But That's pretty good. Yeah, it's cool. It's definitely cool. I'm grateful. But I, my routine hasn't changed much other than I'm just at home. But I did kind of think about that. Like you know, bands probably are getting more streams than normal. But you know, how much are you really fucking making? I mean, yeah. if you get an extra ten thousand, you know, or a hundred extra, even an extra hundred thousand Spotify plays, how much money is that really? For sure, yeah. I yeah, I guess thinking about that, and then the amount like losing a tour, it's just Dude. not worth it at all. Yeah, so I'm. I mean, I'm. Yeah, I'm just very worried for the the live music industry after this. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be if it'll just go back to normal or it'll be better or it'll be worse. I I don't know. I think we're we're just going to be speculating <laughs> for the whole yeah. time if we think about that. My my guess is though I think at least in our little niche like the DIY sort of thing, I think you're going to see some free shows mm-hmm. because you know, even when things start to well first of all there's going to be a really weird awkward stage where people are like, "All right, well, you know, I guess we're allowed to be around each other, but do I feel comfortable being around people yet? And blah, blah, blah. So like, and people aren't going to have a lot of money to pay for shows. So you're kind of have to incentivize it in a way. So I think you're going to see some free shows or some, I mean, DIY shows are always free donation and, you know, only, but (laughs) I think there's going to be some emphasis on like, you don't have to pay if you don't want to sort of thing. Like we get it. But I, one thought I had, which was kind of like, I don't know, this could be just entirely just a, you know, midnight thought, but it it almost would help, like, if you're a band that, quote unquote, has just started making it, take like a band that's on the level of like, like a Prince Daddy or something, or an Oso Oso, where you have enough momentum going where you probably don't have to work a day job, but you need to tour, like, and you need to play music in order to like maintain like a living wage yep they're probably hurting more than say like a band who is you know a a step below them where like they're picking up steam and they have a lot of momentum but they still have day jobs you know what i mean like yeah um do you know uh chris herman yeah i mean i know of him like i've seen um i've seen like um the photography stuff oh not um, personally though you maybe invite chris herman to do an episode with you because um chris was playing bass for oso oso on this last tour and oh sick chris was super bummed when they canceled all that and like obviously 
So, yeah. And also, Chris is a drummer, so it was kind of hilarious uh, that Chris got the job to play bass. Yeah, from but Shortly, right? You, yeah, Chris tra- plays drums in Shortly and Seaholm um, and does very, very, very good photography. Yeah, I've I've really, really dug... Um, I, I mean, I, I just see, you know, at Chris Herman so often on mm-hmm. sweet photos from, yeah. like, bands anywhere from, you know, like, our level and below to, like, holy shit, that's Chris. <laughs> I... Mm-hmm. I Chris plays in Pat Ray's band. What the fuck? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But Chris is just yeah, actually, great. <laughs> it's kind of been on my radar for a while. So now that you say that, I'll probably send an invite out. Cool. Um, Cause yeah, I mean my plan right now, I'm banking so many episodes. Like I'm trying to, I'm doing one almost every day of the week Dang. during the week at least. So that, cause yeah, dude, like no one, I have nothing to do other, other than work and it's so slow. So like my plan is when the quarantine is over and whenever that is, I, yeah. Right. But like once I get busy again, I'm just going to take like a two, three month, however long I can take break from nice. recording episodes of the podcast, unless like a, a big get comes my way and mm-hmm. well, obviously I'm not going to say no. You might get bored without doing the podcast. Well, you're going to get nah, so used so. to doing it once a day. You're going to be like, oh, I need the once a day again. Ah, uh, dude. There, but there's so many things that like I'm neglecting. Like I'm so I'm so ready because I'm in two bands now and both of them are trying to make a record. So like mm-hmm. once this is over, we're going to be hitting it hard, you know, trying to make up for lost time. For sure. So that's kind of my plan is to finish finish the In a Daydream record which i'm excited you know i uh i'm putting out a a demo at least of uh one of the songs nice. during the the forcella minecraft thing. oh cool i i've seen a bunch of stuff for that and i've been i i'm i don't know anything about it but i <laughs> want to participate in some way <laughs> Dude, I re- I recorded an, a podcast episode with them, and they kind of explained how it works. Uh, and I I'm not a gamer at all, but if if you want to know, I mean, this is like not I don't mean to make this a plug for my podcast, but like <laughs> if you want to know how it works, you can just listen. Like a few episodes ago, I had the Summer Shack guys on, and they kind of explained it all. Rad. Yeah, I'm think... gonna have to listen to that myself because I don't I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to hear my own. <laughs> I have to figure out how to get. To where I can even hear the premiere of my own fucking song. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, because I I recently realized that my computer came with Minecraft, so I'm like, oh, oh really? <laughs> maybe I should use it <laughs> instead of yeah. doing recording. <laughs> well, dude, like they're they're going all out. Like you know, they're they were talking about like bands who are like doing quote unquote sets. I've like making stages in Minecraft. I'm like, what does that mean? Is that like a Minecraft term? But it's like, no, they're literally like building these giant stages in the Minecraft world. Like Origami Angel had That's one. It looked like it's in outer space with like this giant Origami Angel banner on it. it. Like, I'm like, this is so like nerdy in a cool way. Yeah, that's really fun. And <laughs> there's like there's like this overlap of like the emo DIY community and the gamer community. 
and <laughs> you know like bands like dog oh, leg funny. you know bringing the bringing the gamecube to the shows kind of thing like that you started to see it there but i think like my prediction is that even after this um quarantine is over i think you're gonna see more of those because it, it only makes sense that you know someone would find a way to combine those two things even though like i don't game at all and like i just it, there's no incentive for me to really participate but i just think there's so many people that are into both of those worlds for that, sure like like why not do it anyways you know oh man i, I you, you know you gotta think of that uh what, what am i trying to say i don't know create that that new that new app that combines the two and then yeah money <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> and that's that's like, why we're here we're here to make money and that's it yeah you can i mean me i, I tell that. uh occasionally it comes up but like on my website i don't think anyone's ever actually noticed it but on the podcast website you know i lets you put like a little um tagline at the bottom and i've been waiting for someone to like actually see it and say something but it just says we all want to quit our day jobs because that's it's the truth we're all just waiting for that moment when we can just Okay, I'm making money doing what I want to do. Yeah. Unless you but, really like your day job. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bold <laughs> assumption. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm projecting because <laughs> I want to quit my day job really bad. I think yeah, I feel like everybody's projecting on everything they say. <laughs> yeah. That's that's fair like I think it takes a certain now we're now we're uh, the Zimbardo psychology podcast, but I think it's it's a common thing. I think it takes like a really actually uncommonly high level of introspection, self-awareness to like not do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone's really above projecting. Yeah. That's why like when I, when I see people, it's, it's like, it maybe kind of made me think of like, you know, you'll see people on social media, like complaining about their problems in the quarantine. And on one hand you want to be like, well, you know, it, it can be kind of cringy to see people complain about quote unquote, like first world problems or like, you know what compared to some people who are like out of a job. Like it, it seems kind of just insensitive to complain about like, Oh, I don't get to go to the show or, Oh, I don't get to go do this like unnecessary thing, but everything's relative, you know, it is yeah. what it is. And it's, it's people are in their own worlds. It still like sucks that people don't get to do what they were planning to do. Um, Right. Yeah, I I it yeah, it's just hard to look at the big picture sometimes, but oh well. <laughs> Speaking of big picture, segue. Um Whoa. yeah. I uh I I got the exclusive sneak peek at a couple new Parkway songs when uh we were working on some of my record and yes. uh any Have you put those out at all cuz I was honestly going <laughs> to no. message you the other day like just seeing if i could just like have a link for like especially that one that you were like you said it was like the heaviest song that you've done yeah it's so heavy <laughs> um yeah i what okay i was about to open up those files today and see see where i'm at with the mix because i've been going back and just tweaking it here and there and i should really commit um cuz i think in early March, I sent it to the band and they gave me like some really small notes. Um, and I don't think I've sent it to them still. 
I don't know. I don't uh-huh. I think the only reason why I'm waiting to quote unquote like finish the songs um is I haven't done a lot of research on sending it to mastering engineers and finding somebody like that I like that I want to work with. Um, uh, okay. Because I don't like to mis- master my own like personal songs because yeah, I'm just yeah, so involved with that. the project. Yeah, it's it, it's just a good good way to get away from it. Um, yeah, I I really want to get those out because I have a lot of other songs that I'm that I've demoed that I probably should just record while we're on this quarantine. But we will see how much work I get. Yeah, um, I think. Oh, sorry. I just real quick. I think there should be like a a new phrase to describe the phenomenon of the difference of like mastering someone else's work and how your hearing changes when you're mastering your own work. There's got to be some psychological phenomenon, like how your perception is is like subconsciously changed by the simple fact that it's your music versus somebody else's. Oh yeah. Well, like the same thing happens. I've. Uh, like over the past six month, uh, months, I've kind of noticed that when I when I when I'm mixing a song that I recorded, like it doesn't have to be my own song, but w- when I'm mixing it, I already kind of know where I'm going with it, and I know how I thought it should have sounded. But yeah, when I'm sent just a bunch of tracks to mix together for somebody, I and if they don't really tell me what they want, I just do whatever and sometimes i'm just like i did something i did something good here and i'm really proud of it and it's just like a completely different feeling and like way of going about mixing um i I don't know what it is but i like it (laughs) now on the other side of that like my brain always tends to like think of like pessimistic things for whatever reason but on, so you know some on some instances you know they don't really give you any notes and you turn it into something good are there ever any instances where like you know you get a bunch of tracks and you you don't get much notes from them and it's is it ever frustrating like without naming names obviously like the fact that you didn't really get to have like a hand in the recording process like the production process like um so yes there there can be frustrations with how something's recorded. Um, Cause it's, it's usually like DIY recording and yeah. they probably didn't have enough mics or mic pre's uh, to like record a drum kit or so on and so forth. Um, so it, it, there's that initial frustration, but then I kind of like, I usually let that fall away and kind of use the minimalistic way they recorded it to my advantage and kind of focus the song to be more Uh, around that than trying to hide it. Yeah. That that's probably the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Unless they want it to sound like really produced, which I've done before that it takes a while, but it's doable. It's like, all right, well I'm just going to program every single drum. I'm going (laughs) to sample every drum hit out to something else, (laughs) you know? Yep. (laughs) You know, I I I asked that question. I was like talking to uh, Diener the last time I was over there, and he was just telling me some horror stories about bands just like, "Hey, we want you to mix our record," and then just like 
sending them sending him a bunch of just shitty sounding tracks mm-hmm. that, like that new like, energy dream sp- stuff <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> <laughs> just trash dude <laughs> um but yeah like you know just actually i'm probably the opposite end of the spectrum where i can just be like insufferable with like how many notes i give but like to the point of like i talked to nick and like we have a really good working relationship and like i feel like you and i do too like it's 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 pretty smooth mm-hmm. but like i, I talked to him like I was like, hey, dude, once we get close in the mixing process, like, I'll pay you full studio time to just come in while you're mixing and I'll just do it, do it with you. Because there's going to be so many things that, like, I'm so particular because I pretty much am producing it f- from the passenger seat, if that makes sense. For like, sure. I'm not, hands aren't on the controls, but, like, I'm yeah. kind of, like, that, knowing you're exactly still producing what I want. it. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to touch yeah. any controls to be a producer. And dude, all over the place right now, but like, <laughs> I'm curious, you know, maybe you would know better than I do. Like, are there, are there like jobs for like an entry level person who can, who just wants to be a producer and doesn't oh. know how to do the sound engineering stuff? Like, how does one get into that? Or do you kind of have to do so, some sound engineering to get your foot in the door? I don't think you have to do sound engineering, but from what I've gathered, because I'm still like relatively a relatively new sound engineer in the grand scheme of things. Um, I've seen a lot of, a lot of musicians who have toured a lot and made a lot of records end up kind of dipping their toe in the producer um, role. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's, that's how it starts for a lot of people. Like a lot of, a lot of like leaders of bands that I've known they've been just very good at producing either like their own record or with like giving ideas with somebody else's record. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I, I've like, especially um, Scott from secret grief that I used to play in Um, Scott, he, he made me such a better engineer just because he's made so many recordings and he knew the sound he wanted and so he really just sculpted, sculpted like the instrument tones and just like each individual part that was going into a song. Um, it, so it, it, it was kind of nice just being the engineer for the, like the beginning of when I started recording with that band and kind of seeing somebody else take the reins and really guide it to where he wanted it to go. Yeah. See, like I, that's, I like that approach a lot. Like I was, I think the best way to sum it up were like the, you know, the coolest phrase I've ever heard associated with this idea is that like I was watching this beach boys documentary and, um, about when they made pet sounds back in the day. And I think I could be wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure it was that. And someone asked Brian Wilson, like the, the, you know, the main songwriter in the beach boys, like what, you know, his favorite instrument is. And he's like the recording studio. (laughs) And I think that is so that just sums me up to a T to where like, I'm not a great guitar player and I'm not like, you know, my, my, I think what would is going to end up making the in a daydream record good to me is, you know, the use of the different sounds at, at my disposal. And I think that's for sure. important for bands to realize, like in something that Tina and I were talking about, like a lot, a lot of bands will come in and you might've had this experience too, like as producing stuff, bands will come in and, they will want a very particular thing that doesn't make sense with like the room or doesn't make sense with like 
their gear or whatever, where I try to take the approach of like, what, how can I maximize what is existing right in front of me? You know what I mean? Rather than trying to manufacture a sound out of, you know, stuff that's not really at your disposal. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a very, very good way of looking at it. Um, That's like, I can even, uh, that even relates to me. Like if I get a new microphone or a new piece of gear, I will use it until I I figure out like what it's not good at. And I will, I will try to convince myself that it's good at everything until (laughs) I see the result of it. But usually like if I have a new mic, I will use a lot of other mics around it. So it's not the, the only mic I'm using. Um, yeah, you kind of force yourself to like not have like the recency bias. Yeah, it's more psychology terms. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, there's that, and then what was the um, some sometimes this used to happen a lot for me um, in past years, where a band would bring like their own amps and stuff and would want to use them, and they just usually wouldn't be that solid and but for the most part bands would realize like oh you have a better sounding amp and this will make the record sound a lot better like let's use that um yeah recently the past like couple years people have been a lot more open to um my ideas and like helping make make a better record with them um so that's been nice (laughs) i think i've definitely seen that I think like back to the original point before I went off on a tangent of like, mm-hmm. you know, when a band, you know, sends you a bunch of stuff without much notes, it can, I think I'll, you know, for me, if I was in that position, I would feel, I would imagine feeling like the fr- a lot of the frustration would come from the fact that like, all right, you're not giving me a lot to work with here and you're going to want to, I'm going to want to put my name on this in some capacity, but like if it's not at a certain threshold like to where like I can get it good enough to where I can put my name on it and be proud of it you know I, I bet you it could be sometimes more difficult to say yes to something if it's not kind of like up to par you know what I mean like or maybe you just like as a producer I feel like you know maybe you don't promote <laughs> the records you, you might promote records that you've been on more than others just because like what a band gave you originally, like what the kind of the palette they gave you to begin with. For sure. Um, I am sometimes good at promotion, sometimes bad. And sometimes it, it doesn't matter if I really like the record or not. Um, but for some records that like, that I feel like I did, like I put my heart and soul into it and what came out was exactly what I was thinking that yeah. like I don't I can't think of like a record that I did like extra promotion for. I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> um right. <laughs> but uh I I don't know. Um oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh what were you saying? <laughs> Just like how like it you know it kind of it would be good for bands to realize this too like when they're going to send stuff to a producer but like if you're sending a bunch of tracks to a producer with like no real notes and like no real direction in mind. Oh. And the, the quality of the recording is low too. Like it might be more difficult for a producer to take it on knowing that their name is going to be on it, but it, they're not going to be able to get it to their own 
standard. You know what I mean? Like so, if you if you had a yeah. so sorry. Um, with that, if if I'm given a record that isn't to the quality I usually record at, um, I usually treat it as like a it's a lo-fi record, and right, right. I can. It, it it allow like if I if I think of it in that way, it allows me to be so much more creative with mixing it. Like oh I let's mute this section and make everything drop out and make it feel like really open, and then bring it all in, make it feel heavy, even though it's not as expansive as I'd want it to be as a recording engineer. Um, right. I I think like occasionally. I sometimes like will add like a little vocal thing here and there, like with harmonies or just like a little guitar, um, to beef up a section, um, if, if it can help. But like, if if I'm given given something that isn't, I wouldn't say up to par, but like, not not as pristine sounding as something yeah, that yeah. I could do at the studio. It I feel like it's just like it's a different canvas to work on and. I don't know. It's I I don't get like a ton of stuff like that. So it's it's nice. Yeah. I I think, you know, it I think the way you you phrase it is probably the best way to phrase it cuz I would probably be more of a dick. I'd probably be like, "All right, well, <laughs> knowing like you got to, you know, I I would just I feel like, you know, this isn't really for you or like for the from the producer's point of view, but like now kind of switching over to like the point of view with a band who is sending stuff like I think just PSA, I think as a band, you want to at least have some idea of a direction or like, even if you can give the producer like an example of a already done record of that somebody else did that you like, like, all right, I want it to sound like this. That way you can at least know what they're trying to go for. And if they're sending stuff that like the quality isn't really there to make like a pristine sounding record and, but they they're already telling you that they don't really want a lo-fi record you know you could avoid putting in a bunch of work on something making it more of like a lo-fi thing that they don't want only only for them to tell you like ah they're not happy with it like you could avoid some of that potentially up front by like if they want something pristine you might have to tell them like look you know we can do this we can make this happen but here's the deal like we're gonna have to redo some of this stuff and for sure i mean um sometimes i i will be blunt with people if they're when when i'm at like the mixing stage and they want it to sound like some other record i'm like hey you are not the same musician you don't have the same instruments or amps or drums or the same room or the same mics that they used you are not going to recreate their record and like we we can we can get something that maybe has some similarities to it but there is no way we're going to make like a, not like a carbon copy of it, but something so close. I, I it, it, it won't be as close as they think it will be. Usually yeah. some, sometimes think, you're like, Oh, you did it. Nice. <laughs> right. I think like the, the, the way to approach it, like the proper way to go about it, because well, because f- first of all, why would you want to make the record that's already there? You know what I mean. Like nobody needs another one. Like For I think sure. when 
like for instance, like when I was, I can only speak from my own experience really, but like when I, the last time I was over at Diener's and we were starting vocals, like I was really inspired by the vocal um, stuff that like Elliot Smith did on the record XO, like the way he doubles and like does doubles on the harmonies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, you know, rather I showed Diener like, okay, I kind of want to go for this, but rather than trying to, you know, like you said, carbon copy that sound. I'm like, what can we do to like get a doubled sound that fits this record rather than trying to like, you know, stubbornly try to make it sound like Elliot Smith, like take, let it inspire you, but don't, but you know, don't keep listening to it. You know what I mean? Just listen to that Elliot Smith record once, you know, get it in your head and then figure out how to make something your own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I I don't understand. I, I don't know. I I'm so I mean, you you get it. You're kind of the same way. Like when it comes to your own music, like you're so hands on. And I could not imagine having the mindset of like, oh, I want this to sound exactly like like citizen. Or you know what I mean? Like or whatever example. I want it to sound exactly like this. Like, dude, what is your identity? You know? Yeah. Um I feel like all the the past parkway stuff i've been trying to sound like another band or or a record and with these newest two songs they well i okay i was about to say they're not inspired or anything by anybody but that is a lie um when recording i didn't really take into account the sounds of other records as much like for I think um, I, th- I think I pulled up like a, a David Bazan record for the drum sound, and I was like, maybe we could have it something like this. And when we set up the the kit and got all the mics set up, and like changed the heads, we were like, this is nothing like this song. So we should right. just try to make it sound big and heavy because this is a big and heavy song. Um, and like one of the songs is like, ooh, I want this to sound like a song from the latest 1975 record and immediately I'm, immediately I'm like no this song is nothing like that and the like it, it's just too big sounding for for what we're doing right like, what, what, what we're doing is too big to be like that 1975 song like yeah I don't know sometimes you just gotta let the song be itself and usually it does end up being itself no matter how hard you try to make it into something else so. i remember speaking of those two new songs like which i've heard and when people hear it, i think they're gonna be fucking stoked because i i dug them a lot you know this um i remember you telling me that like your girlfriend heard that heavy one and she was like this doesn't even sound like parkway she didn't like I, it <laughs> dude and nothing against your girlfriend of course <laughs> but i feel like that is almost like that's that's kind of what almost what you want to hear from somebody who knows you like if you're if you're trying to evolve as an artist like for someone who knows your catalog inside it out to say this doesn't really sound like something you would do i i almost feel like i'd be like yes i'm on the right track so Mm -hmm. like do you feel how do you feel like this the stuff you're working on now compared to like your old stuff um so the the two new songs that'll be out whenever they're done um they are kind of influenced from our like from 2019 and from us just touring and playing a bunch of shows 
um, and like realizing that we have a lot of fun playing heavy stuff. And yeah. so we, these two songs are kind of based around that. Um, I personally am not the biggest fan of like super heavy music. So to me, it's like such a disconnect, which there are like soft parts of each of the songs. Um, but like for me, it was just kind of like a, it was like a release of something that I haven't done before. Um, but like aside from that, I'm like new stuff is, very mellow and if people like these new songs i am so sorry for the next release (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i don't know um to go back uh my girlfriend she has heard she she heard us play the new songs live and so when she heard the recorded version she's like whoa this is way heavier and i did take that into account and i put a fuzz pedal on my pedal board there you go. To make it heavier live and so I could get all the feedback. You got but, enough amps down there too. Don't tell me you can't run two at the same time. Too many amps. I, I do run <laughs> I do run two amps when we're a three piece. There you it's go. So excessive. <laughs> Dude, I, I love it. Like playing in the the band I just joined Pursuer. Um I I run two amps and and I'm the lead guitar player. So most of the time, like I I have my entire pedal board going to my fender amp. And then I have just one pedal, like I have like a a reverb slash boost pedal going to like my second amp. And most of the stuff I do is just super ambient, like heavy delay, like heavy reverb guitars, but like running through two amps, it's just, it is excessive, but in like the best way possible. It sounds so good. Yeah. Dude, like I'll never go back to one, like after playing two, I I can't. It's so tough. Um, Oh, what was it? Uh... I did. Oh wait, you you. Uh, I think the first time you saw me play, I was doing a solo set, and I had two amps. Oh and yeah, I, yeah. I was at, running at stereo the, uh, Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was uh, uh. I was like stuck with with doing solo sets like that, and I eventually got really tired carrying two amps, a tape machine, and a guitar and a pedal board. Uh to all my solo shows so now i'm trying to just do acoustic and it's been it's been nice acoustics are much lighter <laughs> yeah yeah I, I remember like i was impressed for sure that was the first time i saw any of your music you know and i was like oh this is dope um because you had like the tape the like the tape thing going like to mm-hmm. get the uh the droney sounds in the background i remember like oh this is sweet but i could also see like you know the the convenience factor of just doing i mean what's cool is that like you and this is something i really admire in any artist is like when you can reimagine your songs through multiple formats you know like you can do the solo ambient with the electric stuff you can do like the acoustic go three piece go four piece you know i think that's like you that's the sign of a good song you know like if if a song needs a bunch of production in order to just be good, I don't think it's a good song. You know, I think a good song translates across multiple formats and multiple like arrangements, you know, like yeah. in terms of the structure of a song. For sure. I think sometimes with my own songs, when trying to like make them into acoustic songs, it can be really tough 
to do that like successfully and be like oh this is still a, a good song i don't know sometimes i realize i'm like this song has to be really expansive and superfluous uh to yeah. make it like really what it's supposed to be but i don't know I, th- I think some songs just need to be that and that's okay yeah i think now that like you mentioned that i was kind of i'm gonna backtrack a little bit because <laughs> i think like so what made me think that in the first place was you know the second band i'm in pursuer like our guitar player vince um writes so many songs and like he structurally they're good and i think the reason like it works with adding me is like adding a adding a lead guitar wouldn't what i do wouldn't really make the song like adding a bunch of reverb and delay and shit wouldn't make the song unless the structure was already good already there but you know what you just said got me thinking about you know like bony Vare, where they'll have like one song that's like straight up just auto-tuned voice mm-hmm. and i'm like okay that that's a good song you know you, you know the argument can be made that it's a good song and you know it might not have the same effect you know if it was super produced and had like a, a massive arrangement or something or you know take like um tanner's album the young adult fiction album like mm-hmm. the way that was recorded and produced is so perfect for the songs Ooh. and when he plays it live just acoustic it works too but like if you were to add drums or if you were to add like if you were to like you know change the production to where it's like super pristine and digital i don't think it would have the same effect so yeah i think, I think you know I, the song I, has an intention i think it as long as the intention is clear i think that's kind of maybe what makes this song. i don't know yeah i think overall though like truly truly great songs can exist in so many different ways um I I don't know if I do, if I agree with that, but I want to agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, got a pup barking. Um. <laughs> then you get into like what really makes a, a a song truly great, you know? Because is it the song itself? Is it is it strictly objective factors or no? There, no, no. Is, it's, is there going to be things that like it's the you know, amount of money significant? Yeah, no, no, there you it's go. the amount of money that was used to make the song. Like it's how many features do you? How many featured verses do you have on the record that truly? Yes, makes it great? actually, these uh, <laughs> new Parkway songs they have so many features. So. <laughs> I was really? I was joking around with Diener telling him like because he played baritone guitar on the the first song on the the record that I'm doing and I was cause he was telling me how like certain bands will like you know ask him to sing so that basically he's like well, I don't want you to just use me you know because like <laughs> bands will do that like they'll just try to use his name because oh. it is a name <laughs> you know like they'll just want like they'll want him to sing on a verse when it doesn't fit. It doesn't Uh-oh. make sense other than like they just want him, they want to be able to say featuring Nick Diener. You know what mm. I mean? And for the clout or for like the recognition. And I was telling him like, yeah, I'm going to put featuring Nick Diener on, on this first song because you played a baritone guitar that no one would <laughs> hear unless I told them that it was there, you know? Incredible. It, it's, yeah, it's just, it was just funny. Like again, we're not going to, he didn't even tell me, he doesn't, you know, he's professional. He doesn't tell me like what bands do what blunders you know i don't want to like make make it out like nick's some asshole because he's like a great <laughs> producer he's great to work with super chill 
Um, yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, have you, have you done any, um, like, have you ever like worked on a, a record with a band and like, um, have they come to you and said like, they want you to play a certain part or, you know, has it mainly been like you saying like, Hey, let me add this part. Cause I think it's going to make it better. Um, so, well, let me think. Okay. So I've had bands come to me and once they get to like a guitar solo and they don't have anything, they're like, Hey, at some point, can you record a guitar solo? And so that's, that's happened on a few records here and there. Um, one of the, an EP that I'm mixing right now, they wanted trumpets on a little part and they didn't know any trumpet players. And I'm like, oh, I guess I like, I used to play trumpet in high school. And so I, uh, I relearned it real quick <laughs> and uh, recorded the part. But like, sweet. Overall, I think, I can't think of any bands that came to me like specifically for something that I do. Because I, I feel like I'm not incredible <laughs> at any of the instruments I play. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm proficient. I I can do some stuff. Yeah. But like, there are so many. I think you're kind of like me though. Players like you, you're, you, where you shine is the songwriting and like the arrangements and like the production of it. You know what I mean? Like, Thank you. And d- don't get me wrong. When you play it live, you do it well. You know what I mean? But. I think where we're similar is that like we don't try to outplay our skill level and we also just use the studio and we use like production to our advantage, like use mm-hmm. arrangements like because you could be Cheating. a shredding guitar player. But if you know, I know some people like this kid I went to high school with, like he was he's like a prodigy guitar player, like can just shred like nobody's business, just insanity. But like there's no imagination whatsoever mm. to his playing. You know- there's no inspiration. Do you know, um, do you know Eric from Ghost Coasts? No. He is. I don't think so. An incredible, they, um, they've recorded a few songs with me and I mixed one of their EPs. Um, he is an incredible guitar player with great feel and also like with his band, like they, they just make they just they have a really really good feel and i i feel like he's 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 a good songwriter and a really good guitar player and i'm just very jealous of him all the time <laughs> but yeah i don't know like i think of bands like like the deer hunter where mm-hmm. like not only is the guy just a, a a genius like song i mean he's a great guitar player and can just shred you know clearly knows his music theory um but also just writes these amazing songs, like these theatrical arrangements and can just do it for record after record after record. Just like constant. I don't understand that. Like, dude, like I've said this on previous podcasts recently, like there's, this is reductionist, but you know, for the sake of (laughs) argument, I'll say there's two types of songwriters, like one where you have a ton of songs and then you pick the 10 best ones for a full length or whatever. And then there are people like me who have zero B-sides, just, you know, I just go all in on, like, the songs that I have, and then the, the songs that are on the record is just, that's all I got. Like, I don't, because the, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have any ideas that I don't fully flesh out. Like, they don't even get to the point that they're going to become a song idea unless I really, really, really feel it. Mm. Um. So, I used to 
have that problem for so long and it i ended up having like a super long period of writer's block because of it and now i feel like i'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum where i write quite a few songs but i don't i can't think of like there there are there are so few that actually make it to a proper demo that i track on my computer instead of on my voice memos it's it's kind of a problem because I, I think I throw away like 95% of, not not 95, like 90% of the work or songs I do. I don't uh, know. It's, yeah, like in Pursuer, like our, like I said, like Vince, our guitar player, songwriter, he writes so much shit and like we just, our, we played our first show, you know, um, a couple months ago and it was like awesome and like we loved the set. Like it was all the songs that I learned from basically but there's so many more and after that like all right the plan's gonna we're gonna make a full length and we really really like the way these songs came out and then he just keeps sending us more demos like dude nice (laughs) but it's like they're good you know but it's like what what's gonna be on the record dude (laughs) like (laughs) it's like before the records even you know before we even have the track listing set there's just more it's just like an onslaught of just like I mean that's a good problem to have, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you got a bunch of solid stuff, but for me like I I just don't work that way. I think it's one it's like ADD, a little bit of laziness thrown into the equation. Like just having a I just know I feel like pretty exhausted. Like when I do write songs, like I'm the type of person where I don't really take a whole lot of credit for the songs I write cuz I just feel like they just happen to me. Like they just kind of come to me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And for the, like I for the most part when i'm playing guitar i'm not writing anything i'm just dicking around and like and then inspiration will strike when i hit a chord progression you know on accident and i'll be like oh i like that and then from there the whole song just kind of starts coming into my head and and that's it you know like i like i don't write any i don't write it down you know what i mean like i don't have like all these ideas like all right i'm gonna try to flesh this one out today it's like I either don't have anything or I have like an entire song and it's, I don't know. I kind of envy the people who have all those ideas. I just feel like I don't have very many ideas at all. I just try to make the best of what I do have. Um, there's, but I was going to, oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I, I wasn't going to say much. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I was going to, um, kind of go back to your song, the, the new stuff a little bit and ask you, um, because you know, it, it is different from your other stuff and it is heavier and I'm kind of a two part question. Like, did you one, like what was the process for like writing the lyrics? Was that any different than previous stuff? And if it, if the lyrics came after the music, well, so what I'm trying to figure out if, since it's heavier, did the lyrics come before or after? And do you feel like the lyrics reflect like the change in vibe at all? Mm. Um, so the, okay, so the lyrics and the music for one of the songs came at about the same time. I think I was writing the song just in one sitting, kind of get like getting the, the main ideas out. Um, and then I, I touched it up and the band, uh, put some embellishments on it. Um, but uh one of the songs uh that we've we played 
uh, quite a bit live before we started playing the, uh, the second song. Um, it was a demo that I did like two years ago. Like the, the end of the song was from a demo and then the beginning of the song, like the lyrics were from another demo and I completely changed the music to, Oh, okay. So I, it's, it's a really silly excuse, but we have two songs from our record wanderer are in a different guitar tuning. And I wanted to write more songs that were in that tuning because I was sick of just tuning for those songs. So I wrote these two songs so I could do that. And uh, yeah, so one of the songs the I, I don't, I don't know personally, like thinking about it right now, if the lyrics reflect the music, but I, eh, they, they kind of do. Um, but the, the second song that kind of came all at once, that one definitely has a vibe to it that, that like a heavier vibe. So, I gotcha. Yeah. It, do you generally like, are you like a lyrics after the music type of person? No. It's oh, well, really? well, really? a lot of the times it's just a little idea that I, ha- that I make while I'm, with my acoustic guitar like maybe i'll have like a word in my head or an idea and i just sit with my guitar just kind of humming nonsense or saying nonsense words until something kind of works um so yeah it's usually around the same time because i've tried to write like lyrics and then try to put it to music and it's always awful (laughs) <laughs> so yeah same like if i if i write lyrics first it ends up just being like a four chord progression singer songwriter song because mm-hmm. like i for the songs i end up writing like you know like the the structure's kind of strange and like there's not a lot of repetition so it's like it doesn't like the type of like i have to write lyrics that fit the songs otherwise like i'll have to change everything about the lyrics in order to make them fit the song so i just don't even bother trying to write stuff like on occasion like i'll have like i have like a like a google doc where like i'll have like a line that i think is good or like a couple lines that i think like for later like for a rainy day when i actually have a song to put them to i'm like okay now that i have an actual song i like the vibe of this song with the vibe of these couple lines i have written and then i'll take those and i'll extrapolate you know but i'd never have i mean i have some stuff like the singer songwriter type stuff that like down the road i'm maybe want to start like a like a solo project type thing where Mm -hmm. i just do the more straightforward acoustic singer songwriter stuff but for the most part like yeah i always have to write it after the fact um yeah so i'll probably wrap it up here um next couple of minutes but uh, i just want to like give you a chance to like you know plug anything you know plug anything everything <laughs> yeah yeah anything that like, you want people to know or if you where people can hit you up if they want like you know some production stuff done you know anything that comes to mind um okay i am tyler floyd you can look me up and i i'm under the moniker floyd audio on facebook instagram twitter 
I probably will have a website soon. Um, yeah, hit me up for recording, mixing or mastering. Obviously not recording until the quarantine is over. And if you want to check out uh, the podcast that I help produce, it's called Here For Now. And you can look up hereforenowpodcast.com to find the episodes. Right now there are seven. Um, yeah, I'm in a band called Parkway in Columbia. We release music every five years. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't think of anything else. I don't know. Um, oh, we did, we did talk about the dog leg uh, live videos, but you know, maybe for prospective bands to so go check those out too. In case, oh, you know. yeah, watch those videos, they're good. Look up, look up dog leg live from Eureka Records and you'll find them on their, their record labels, YouTube, I believe. Um, I, I don't know what else. Just, yeah, look, look at my, my socials and listen to stuff I've done. Sweet. Well, all right, dude. I'm going to, um, I'll stop the recordings real quick and then we can kind of like figure out what we're going to (laughs) do. It is done.